Welcome to the Faith Element Podcast for the July 3rd, 2022 session, focusing on Psalm 30. Unbelievable. I'm David Cassidy. I'm Nikki Hardiman. I'm Burt Montgomery. And I'm Daniel Glaze. I hope you're all feeling well today. But if you've lived long enough, you at some point get sick and don't feel so well. So I, I know it's not a common topic of conversation, but because I'm curious and I needed a question for today, I'm wondering, what's the, what's the sickest you've ever been? It, it was August of 2001. I was studying abroad oh. in India. Oh. Hmm. I was sitting at the table one night and the family that we were living with, the father was like a transporter of a local beer. And so he pulled some beer out and let us all try it. And it was good, but I had not had a lot of alcohol in my life and it was different. And it gave me a little heartburn. Yeah. And whenever I'd had that before, I drank some milk. So I asked him if they had any milk and they gave me some milk. And only after did I learn that it was unpasteurized. Yeah. Yeah. And Ooh. that coupled with, I'm pretty sure I probably drank some water that night. I thought my soul was going to be wretched out of my body because yes. that was all that was left. I yeah. literally was laying mm. on the bathroom floor. <laughs> oh my goodness. Because it wasn't worth it to get up and go back to my bed because I just knew I would be back in there. Yep. Oh. And I have never like my abs were sore the next morning. Oh. oh. My <laughs> I, I was I was so sick, but I will say I had fantastic health care while I was there. <laughs> um, so they the doctor came to me nice. and gave me some electrolytes because, you know, they were fussing over the students. And so and, and I stayed out for like, it was like two days until I really could get up and go again. But, yeah, the health care was wow. fantastic. And I spent about 20 U.S. dollars for two doctor's visits and medication. Just going to put that out there. But mm. that is the most sick I have ever been in my entire life. It was awful. Wow. Gosh, Nikki, you know, I, I'm i sure I have been sicker, but the times when I felt most sick is, yes, when food poisoning or stomach oh, issues. Yes. It's the worst. And, yeah, where, where you, and I, gosh, I, I can't even remember a specific time, but, you know, where you've, you've, you've counted all the tiles on the bathroom floor. Yes. And and <laughs> yes. You, you and the thought I'm serious the thought crosses your mind, you know, if if the Lord takes me tonight, my family will miss me but they will be okay. They'll be all right. <laughs> it's going to be okay. Just say, you know, yes. I'm yes. I, I'm I'm ready to go. Yes. And so oh anyway. Well, if anybody in my family Heard you ask the question, they'd all be taking bets as to which time I mention. Because I have a long history of stomach problems. Um, and I could give you, like I could tell you famous places where I've thrown up. With a pastor in his car, with one of my college professors in his car. So all that kind of fun stuff. Um, but seriously, in terms of the most sick, would have been around 2002, uh, Nikki, 
Mm. when I was diagnosed with diverticulitis and I, I mean, very big flare up and I never knew I had it, Mm -hmm. but I just got so bad that when I went to the doctor, they ran stuff and they immediately put me in the hospital and I was in the hospital for an entire week. And that is the worst pain I've ever had in my life. Um, and the worst, everything that y'all have just talked about in my entire life. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. My, my worst sickness, um, was not stomach related. It was actually lung related. When I was a junior in high school, I got a horrible case of strep throat. I mean, it was it was the kind where if you swallow, you cry. I mean, it just it's so painful. And uh, we lived in a little small town that was like thirty minutes from the nearest hospital town <laughs> uh, in any direction. And so uh, I remember being with Dad shopping or something in one of the towns nearby, and we went back home. And then that night, I got a terrible fever. And I just remember waking up and mom had me in the bathtub in cold water and was on the phone and trying to figure out what to do about my high fever. And I don't remember much of that night because it was it was not good. <laughs> they got me to the hospital uh, 30 minutes away and I remember none of that. But I remember waking up in the hospital and they tell, told me I had double pneumonia and so I was in the hospital for several days while they tried to treat me. And that was not a fun experience no. at all. But thankfully, you know, they say if you have pneumonia once, you're, you're susceptible to it. But I've never had it since then, knock on wood. So, yeah, maybe I got it out of my system. Well, we continue in the Psalms, and we have... Um, Some themes that continue to rotate through the Psalms, but each of the Psalms also beckons us to to look in a a slightly nuanced direction. Um, So, Daniel, would you help us get a look at this one? I'll be glad to. Growing up, we all likely knew a kid who was terribly gullible. Maybe you were that kid. Did you hear the principal just said no school tomorrow? Really? That's great. Hey, I heard they're giving out free ice cream downtown. Really? Free ice cream? Off they'd run. Whether you knew a kid like that or whether you were that kid, I think Psalm 30 takes some childlike gullibility to believe. Because this psalm tells us the unbelievable tale that even in our sorrow, in our pain, in our anger, God has the last word, and that word is that joy, peace, and wholeness will one day come. In the psalmist's own testimony, we find that his faith, joy, and healing were forged from his own bitter experience of death. If we were to categorize Psalm 30, we may simply call it a prayer of thanksgiving. In just about every verse of this psalm, we hear overflowing gratitude for divine deliverance. Verse 12 puts it plainly. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. To be sure, Psalm 30 is the thanksgiving prayer of an individual person. But as we see over and over again in the Psalms, individual prayers often give voice to communal ones. That is, one person's gratitude reminds us of and calls out our own gratitude. Just like 
when on this podcast, one of us shares a story, a personal anecdote, the rest of us are able to see ourselves in their story, and it calls to mind our own stories. In this case, the thanksgiving the psalmist expresses is born from a rebirth, a resurrection, an incredible healing given by God. You, O Lord, have drawn me up. I cried to you for help, and you healed me. O Lord, you brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored my life. Weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes with the morning. You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have taken off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. To be sure, this is not some Pollyannish, lighthearted, everything is unicorn and rainbows kind of psalm. No, this healing, this restoration came only after a desperate experience in Sheol, only after the psalmist experienced hell on earth. Even though we believe that God is the author and source of our healing, our resurrection, that's just not so easy to see when we're in the midst of such bitter pain. Moreover, telling people to just keep their heads up, it's not that bad. God will rescue us. None of that is helpful to express when people are in pain. So often our grief is so overwhelming that our hearts feel as if they are twisted and squeezed out like a dish rag. We don't have time for such pious platitudes. There's a beautiful sermon on this passage preached by an African-American pastor following the shooting of Michael Brown Jr. by police in Ferguson, Missouri. In this sermon, the pastor suggested that the role for ministers today is to weep with victims of gun violence and injustice. We weep with them until we cannot weep any longer, he says. But then he reminds us, weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Psalm 30 describes deep pain, deep anguish, but it also describes deep healing. And just as we cannot skip over the pain and jump to joy, we cannot ignore the beautiful resurrection we receive through the sustaining presence and love of God. There's a reason Psalm 30 is read during Easter. In fact, it's a common reading during the Easter Vigil. The reason is this. We need to be reminded that in the midst of pain, of grief, in the midst of pandemic and injustice, in the midst of racism and sexism and homophobia and all manner of ugliness and disregard, God is for us, God waits with us, and God will grant us resurrection. Here's my story. It was almost 15 years ago. My daughter Ashley was just a newborn at the time. She was coughing and having trouble taking deep breaths. If you have ever seen a congested three-week-old, it's downright pitiful. We took her to the doctor and they diagnosed her with RSV, a respiratory virus. She got so bad, we were this close to admitting her to the hospital. 
Just one month prior, we were celebrating her birth with phone calls, visits, presents, a ribbon on the mailbox. And now here I found myself with tears streaming down my face as I lay my one-month-old daughter on that cold hospital table so they could x-ray her tiny chest. Now I know that RSV is a common illness, but in the middle of it, I was scared to death. We went from balloons and streamers to a counter full of medications and nebulizer treatments. In the midst of all this, my older daughter, Ella, then three and a half years old, all she wanted in the world was to play with her baby sister, to help feed her, change her diapers, brush her little bald head. But we had to separate them so as not to infect Ella or make Ashley worse. I wish I had it on video. One afternoon, my wife brings Ashley home from the doctor after getting the all clear. She carries Ashley into our family room, and Ella begins to cry tears of joy. Mama, Mama, bring me my baby. For the next hour, she let no one else hold her. Ella held her sister close to her own chest, rocked her, sang to her, and kissed her cheeks. Weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes with the morning. That's a little background on our text for today. Daniel, thank you so much um, for those introductory words and for your story. Uh, beforehand, we talked a little bit about telling our stories and um, I had two I could pick from uh, that I could think of anyway. Uh, so I'm gonna go with a more recent one. I got COVID in December of 2020. So this was before we had uh, vaccines um, and it's when it really was quite at the height of the first of the um, first really big wave. Uh, maybe it was a second. I don't know. I can't keep up with that part. But I started to have what felt like a sinus infection. So you did what you do. You went home. You took a test. You waited for the results. And it came back, COVID. And, and by that point, I really wasn't feeling good at all. I was feeling very, very sick. If, if I, my sickness progressed normally, I would have been out of quarantine. Uh, the day before Christmas Day, on Christmas Eve, would have been the last day I had to be quarantined. And so I wasn't able to see my kids. I wasn't able to see anybody. I had to be all by myself. And I got pretty sick. I was, you know, I could have told this one as my sick story at the beginning. I, I went to the hospital, but, but didn't have to be admitted. Um, I needed fluids. And they gave me that and sent me home. And it really was a scary time. I was, that was the part that got me more than being sick. It was, I had to say bye to my kids because they went to stay with their father. And my inner worrier thought, did I just say goodbye to my kids? Like, will I see them again? Because you mm -hmm. didn't know how it was going to go. 
and I got worse for the next two to three days. Um, and so it felt scary. It, it felt for several days that um, I didn't know which way it was going to go for me. And then the being apart, being alone, being away from people at such a, at what was supposed to be a celebratory time of year was very, very difficult. But thank goodness I came through um, and I was okay. Um, and on Christmas Day, though I was still very tired and weak, the symptoms that would have kept me quarantined were gone. And I was able to go and enjoy Christmas Day with my kids and our blended family. And there really was, for me, a deep joy knowing that um, it could have been different and being able to experience this time with family and people who meant a lot to me, knowing and understanding that it was just really, really special. So yeah, um, it was, there was a lot of mourning and fear and sadness while I had COVID, uncertainty about how it would go. And then when I was able to rejoin with family, it was joy and laughter and togetherness. And all of that was wonderful. When um, my wife and I were young parents, our younger son was, I think, three. And a very healthy, uh, three or four, very healthy, very talkative, um, a lot of fun, a lot of you know, mischief. And his favorite game to play was BB Bumblebee, I see something you don't see. And it is, you know, blue or red or whatever. And he was always doing that. No matter, just anywhere you were, he would start BB Bumblebee. And he insists you play with him. And one day I was at work and Jitsi called in a panic. And she didn't know what was going on. He came out of his room in a nap and our older son was in kindergarten. He came out of his room in a nap and was just stand, from a nap and was just standing, staring at her and shaking and couldn't speak. He was having a seizure and he had never had anything like this at all. So she called 911, an ambulance came and a friend, a coworker rushed me home, put on blinkers and drove me uh, home. And I was getting there as they were taking him away in the hospital to the hospital in the ambulance and met uh, at the hospital and they were doing all kinds of tests. Now, this is a happy, fit, lively, whatever. And, and he was just down to nothing, couldn't talk. And they would not let us in to see him. So I've not seen him since that morning. Jensi had not seen him since they took him out of the house in the ambulance. And they were doing, a, they did a spinal tap on him. And we were just beside ourselves. We didn't know what to do. And much later, hours later, they let us in. And I was holding him. And he was not able to talk. Uh, and they were telling us, we don't know what's going to, you know, we have to wait and see what's going to happen. Uh, after a while, out of nowhere, I mean, his eyes had opened up some and he had seen us, but he couldn't talk to us. But after a while, in the dead silence of that, we were just sitting there and scared to death. It took a moment to realize what he was doing, but he began to mumble, B.B. Bumblebee. <laughs> <laughs> and those were the greatest sounds we have ever heard in our lives. And we both started crying and, and just, you know, but it was just, it was beautiful. And he turned out it was just something he, one of those freak things uh, that some children have and grow out of, but it was terrifying. And to this day, 
B.B. Bumblebee can make us both cry at a moment's notice or burst with laughter because it was such joy when he just barely mumbled those words out. Um, hmm. You know, it was, it was just an incredible moment. For, for most of my life, I've been blessed with kind of an easy path. You know, when I was in school, grades came easy for me. Whenever I went to college, grades came easy for me, and I had great friends and, you know, met my wife, got married. And then when I entered, you know, started looking for work, I, I never had trouble finding jobs all the way from being a teenager, you know, up. I was, it was always easy and I tended to get a job I wanted. And so it was, it was very difficult when in midlife with two teenagers in the house that I became unemployed. Uh, I had been in publishing for a long time and then had left to try some new things. And the first new thing I tried was working at a, a creative services agency and it went well for a while. And then we fell upon hard times. Um, and so we had, we had to, we had to change the structure and that meant I had to go. And so I was unemployed and did not know how we were going to make mortgage payments, did not know how we were going to <laughs> feed ourselves. You know, we worked through our savings. Uh, there were friends and family that were helpful, but we had to figure out something. And I, uh, Regina and I talked about it and decided that um, we would give this crazy concept called Faith Lab a go and at least try it for a little bit while I looked for something stable. <laughs> and I had never been in this position before in my life to be unemployed, to not know how I was going to provide. I had not ever experienced this before, and it was traumatic. Of course, it, we, we started Faith Lab, and within the first month, it was profitable. I was drawing a paycheck again. <laughs> And it continued to grow. And now, you know, here we are, I don't know, gosh, 12 years later. <laughs> and it's where my daughter works, pays her full time and gives me something to piddle with on the side. And I'm so glad that it worked because <laughs> I really don't know what I would have done otherwise and have never been that scared or full of self-doubt before in my life. I don't recommend it, so don't try it. But it, it was that thing that was so, so hard and so dark that led to something really good and something that I wouldn't trade away. So yeah, that's my story. I think you offered us a, a quote early on, Daniel. I can't remember what it was now, but what, what do you remember? The quote about how the dark times lead to, I can't remember it now. Crushed by great, like. Yes, yes. Oh, that I, was, yeah, last week. The yes. Henry, Henry Nowen says, when we are crushed like grapes, we cannot even imagine the wine we will become. Yeah, yeah. And so it, that led me to also think about this wonderful book on grief by uh, Chuck Poole. Uh, Chuck's a pastor down in Mississippi, and uh, it's called Don't Cry Past Tuesday. And in it, he talks about the need to grieve and the process of grief. 
But in it, there's a story where he tells someone, you know, let it out, grieve, but don't cry past Tuesday. It's time to pick up and move on. And then there's that famous Tony Campolo sermon. Mm. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. <laughs> <laughs> the bad stuff happens on Friday, but Sunday's coming. And that's when God changes the story and brings us hope and transforms death into life. We have so many stories among us. I hope as you gather as a group, you will, you will find a safe space to share some of your stories. Because we all have them, and they are the stuff of faith. They are what powers us forward and, and undergirds our belief in a God that walks with us and sees farther ahead than we do. May we all read this psalm, see how God accepts and knows our pain, and find that path forward to Sunday. Thank you all for this good conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Subscribe to the Faith Element Podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Learn more about our Faith Element Bible study curriculum at faithelement.net. Faith Element is a service of Faith Lab.